Hello everybody, my TC, welcome to another daily podcast. We have once again a special guest who was on the channel recently but is back because he's got some big news and big update for us Brits. We have Jason Miller, the CEO of Getter and a former advisor to President Trump. Welcome to the show again, Jason. How are you? Good. It's great to be back with you. Excited to be coming back to London in the very near future. Yeah, so for those who don't know, what's happening? Why are you coming to invade Britain again? What's going on? What's the plan? <laughs> well, this will be actually my third trip since we launched Getter, and so we've made a, a commitment. This is really larger than the United States. This is about bringing the world together, and part of that is a defense of Western civilization. We see this on the infringement on our speech rights. We see it on the infringement on our ability for commerce or business or even conducting our lives, these mandatory lockdowns. Uh, all of the different mandates that are coming out on the healthcare front, I think that's invading a lot of personal privacy as well. We're seeing it in education, where that was the key issue that tilted the Virginia governor's race here in the yeah. U.S. But as we've seen from uh, whether it be CRT type issues being discussed, even in the U.K. to other things that really undermine the the future of Western civilization, even down to our basic borders and making sure that we're able as nations to have some sovereignty and to be secure. So we're putting together on December 8th at Indigo at the O2, we're putting together the first counter conference. It'll be myself, folks like Lawrence Fox, a uh, whole bunch of other, your favorite, whether it be podcasters or YouTubers. Uh, and I'd say about half the uh, the speakers or panelists will be from the UK. I'd say about a quarter of them will be from Western Europe. Uh, so we have a number of members, whether they be from uh, parliament or their respective assemblies uh, in uh, the Bundestag in, Fr in France, uh, even a couple other countries in Western Europe. We're also going to have a couple of attendees from Brazil. We're obviously there on the front lines of defending civilization as well, uh, both from big tech, from a, an egregious judiciary, mm -hmm. and then probably about a quarter of the attendees will be from the good old US of A. And so it'll be in London. We really feel that London is at the center of this fight. Yeah. Uh, we believe that so many, uh, and again, when I say uh, London, obviously it's much broader than London. So oh, it's yeah. Great Britain, it's the, it's the UK, uh, it's everybody. But with our speech being targeted by so many people right now, yeah. everything falling into cancel culture, woke culture, counter conference, December 8th, Indigo the O2. Uh, tickets are available now. I uh, hop on Eventbrite and see them, uh, or you can go to, we'll soon have it up on the Getter G E T T R website. Uh, but December 8th, you're going to want to be there. Yes, I'll put I'll put the link in the description for you guys to know. And um, it's actually a kind of good initiative um, overall because uh, in this country, at least, we I think politically and culturally, we were quite complacent for a few years. Um, and uh, obviously, this wave of uh, authoritarianism that uh, was more visible in America. And you guys, um, as a whole, on the right, decided to counter it a lot sooner than we thought, you know, what we did. Because, you know, we had, in terms of media, you guys started your Daily Wires, your Stephen Crowders, your other podcast channels and everything else. And politically, of course, President Trump stood for election. Uh, culturally and social media-wise, you guys would get her. Uh, in this country, we just sat here quietly. We thought, oh, that's just Americans' problem. You know, it's not going to be here. But this, um, well, the council culture or the woke culture or essentially left-wing authoritarianism is now coming. So I'm guessing this is your objective with this uh, conference, right? To kind of get, decide to start to push back, right? Exactly. And we feel that especially coming off the heels of this Virginia election, which so folks who might not be complete U.S. political nerds, uh, Virginia is a state that historically had been what we'd call a purple state, a swing state. 
Uh, really, no Republican has won the state since 2009 up until this week. So it's been uh, over a decade where Democrats uh, have controlled the state. It's really become much more of a blue state. Mm-hmm. Particularly in Northern Virginia, real estate government contractors, bureaucrats, things like that. But the fact that this tidal wave has really started in Virginia, this is the time when we need to start pushing back. And whether it be on Ofcom in uh, in the UK, whether it be on the Supreme Court justices in Brazil, whether it be against the liberal media in the U.S., this is where we have to stand up and say enough is enough. We're tired of the the wokeness. We're tired of trying to shove down every this cancel culture down our throats. At a certain point, who's going to be left? They're going to cancel everybody. And we're just going to be locked in our basements doing Zoom calls with no economy. I mean, yeah, you point out the right kind of issue in terms of uh, we had a couple of uh, elections recently, the last few days. Uh, apparently, a black woman who happens to be Republican is not representing uh, women or black people or anybody. Uh, like, essentially, she's a white supremacist. Uh, but on the other side, uh, a transgender woman who's uh, quite like a bitter character. She's pro-empowering women agenda. So it's, it's a bit of a weird thing. So apparently, like, yeah, the, the new uh, Republicans, uh, if, you're, if you're a woman or if you're black, you're still a white supremacist. So this is kind of the weird world that we're living. But it's actually making everything easier for 2024. We're all getting excited in this country, as you're obviously the allies of the the Republicans, uh, and I'm just excited to see how Team Biden is going to kind of defend itself because uh, it's been quite chaotic. What's the perception overall when it comes to President Biden and the international stage? Because here, we just everyone's just making fun of him. Yeah, I mean, sadly, here domestically in the U.S., it's basically the same thing. You can see with that let's go Brandon uh, meme that is out there. And so anyone on the planet who is not yet up to speed on what the let's go Brandon thematic is, People have been chanting blank Joe Biden everywhere he goes. Yeah. Uh, they chant it at football games. They chant it when his motorcade is going by. Uh, and obviously the blank, um, you know, uh, you know what it is. Hmm. Um, anyways, at NASCAR, uh, one of the driving races, a gentleman named Brandon Brown won the race. And at the end, uh, you could hear the crowd audibly crisp, clear as day, saying the blank Joe Biden chant in the background. And the re- NBC reporter puts a microphone up to Brandon Brown and says, Brandon, you can hear they're so excited. They're chanting, let's go, Brandon. And he's just there looking dumbfounded. They were not chanting, let's go, Brandon. They're saying, blank Joe Biden. <laughs> let's go, Brandon. Yeah. So it's become everywhere. So that's and how it started. <laughs> that's how it started. And so now people are, are, it's basically become a euphemism, not just to go and say dunk on Joe Biden. Obviously, that that's part of it. But it's also kind of a pushback on the mainstream media in the U.S. in the way that they want to coddle. And it really kind of embodies uh, this, I think a lot of this buyer's remorse that people in the U.S. have where like, oh, wait a minute, uh, we were told if we just we stop the mean tweets, everything's going to go back to normal. If we just get this uh, this veteran, uh, this sensibility back into the back into the White House, someone like Joe Biden who's not going to offend people, things will be great. Well, now we have crises after crises, yeah. whether it be China, uh, immigration, hyperinflation, you name it. Uh, but then it's now even taking a kind of the next step where Biden's falling asleep at yeah. At meetings, he just looks weak. He's falling downstairs. There are rumors about what happened or didn't happen at the Vatican. Uh, it just it, there's not the perception that we have the strong leader. <clears throat> and I think many of our allies, um, and, and this is particularly bad up coming off the heels of Afghanistan in particular, where I know that many Brits, uh, quite frankly, were offended and frustrated by the way that it went down with the way that the U.S. withdrew. Not everybody wanted to get out of Afghanistan. We've been there yeah. for too long. But the way that we went about doing it, complete disaster. So I think it's really adding insult to injury, uh, literally. Yes, absolutely. I think um, it's, it's just uh, exposed the, the flaws of uh, the administration that uh, a lot of us have been saying 
since before the election, when he was running uh, for, for presidency, we were kind of warning uh, the public, but uh, no one really listened. But now a lot of people are now saying, because I've seen a lot of uh, Twitter clips and YouTube videos of uh, uh, well, former Biden voters have changed their mind. In New York, it's the liberals in New York who are protesting against Biden. So that's like hilarious. Like, he's losing his own base, right? <laughs> so here's actually this is a really good point because a lot of folks might not realize this. So there are certain constituencies within the Democratic base that they take for granted. So typically for Democrats, they take for granted the African-American vote. Uh, they usually don't even spend any time or money campaigning because they just assume, well, we have 97, 98 percent of the vote. The thing is, is that now President Trump, since he got record numbers with African-Americans, Latino-Americans, Asian-Americans, several different uh, constituencies that are uh, growing in the U.S., Democrats now have to go and figure out, well, wait a minute, we have to actually go and campaign and ask for these folks' votes. Um, and in fact, we saw with the Virginia elections and in New Jersey just a couple of days ago here in the U.S. that the African-American votes are not showing up for Democrats or they're not as reliably Democratic in the past. So what's happening with Joe Biden is he does not have that base, kind of that baseline threshold that a typical Democratic president would because a lot of these constituencies the Democrats take for granted are not sticking with him. And so Biden's favorables are literally at a record low. And this is as we look to the U.S. midterms in 2022, we think it's going to be a wipeout on behalf of Republicans. And it really sets up for 2024. I don't see a scenario where Joe Biden is on the ticket, yeah. uh, whether that's and, and quite frankly, I wonder if he'll make it all the way through to yeah. 2024. It's just he seems so weak and feeble and infirm. So whether it's um, and I, I do think President Trump runs against whether it's Trump against yeah. a Kamala Harris or someone like a Gavin Newsom, it'll probably be someone else. Yeah, to be fair, I think the way it's going is more likely that's going to be Kamala. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It's highly unlikely that Joe Biden will uh, restand for a number of reasons, obviously. There's like three or four reasons that might not happen. So, But, you know, it's, it's going to be a different sort of battle. I was expecting a, a classic a 60s, like in a Nixon going and coming back uh, for when it comes to the President Trump. But it's, it doesn't count if it's not Biden standing. I'd rather beat Biden. <laughs> so, but, you know, but he's, he's an easy target. So we, we want a big battle. And there's a thing. So you um, with the Getter, the, obviously the new social media app that's kind of going kind of complete crazy now because when it started, we, a lot of people, when you came on the channel, uh, some people from my side, the subscribers, the followers were like saying, oh, is this going to be just like another attempt that in you know, a lot of smaller apps have tried? But since then, I've, I've followed the, the developments. Uh, they're, going, they're still growing it massively. Uh, what's the latest on it and how, how are things going with Getter? Absolutely. So we're just four months in. We launched on July 4th. Mm -hmm. And so we're, obviously today is uh, November 5th. So we're just past that, the four-month mark. Uh, but we've really taken off internationally. We're almost to 3 million users globally. Uh, and it's about a 55% international, 45% domestic U.S. Yeah. As far as the user base split, uh, with Brazil being about 15%, Japan being about 13%. Yeah. Um, obviously, with our event coming up in the UK, we think numbers there and in France and Germany. But it, here's the thing that, uh, you know, when I helped kick off the platform, I knew this was a problem having worked for President Trump with free speech being canceled in the US. And look, they kicked off a sitting president, which no one ever thought would actually happen. Yeah. But as we started to put this together, we realized this is a problem everywhere. This is something that whether you're uh, conservatives in the UK, whether you're President Bolsonaro, yep. uh, people, even even people in Japan are saying, wait a minute, why is big tech telling us what to do? We didn't vote for Zuckerberg. We didn't vote for Dorsey. Yep. Who are you to go and, and tell us uh, what we think? Yep. This is really a global phenomenon that's brought together people from uh, every corner of the globe. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I, I think um, until now, especially the liberal side, the Democrats in, in the US especially, uh, they had the battleground under the, or their base uh, to use uh, for propaganda was always uh, the mainstream media. 
Uh, and I think uh, right now with Biden, he's, he's losing some of them. I've seen a lot of CNN presenters actually criticizing him, but there's still one new base left for them. It's the Facebooks, it's the Twitters. These, these guys are completely openly defending and actually pushing the agenda um, by, by doing censorships, by uh, pushing for whatever the government says, uh, say, oh, this is the mandate. You have to do it. You can't criticize anything the government says. Same thing is happening in New Zealand with Jacinda Ardern. You can't question the government. Uh, it could go too far in this country too, uh, but Australia. Look yeah, at Australia. Oh, Australia, yeah, Australia. Australia. out of control. You see the the complete a total police state. And in yeah. fact, I will tell you, I had the opportunity to jo uh, join Sky News for uh, the Outsiders, one of their big Sunday morning programs in Australia a couple a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And I just went right at the issue. I said, "Look, you guys are becoming a police state." Wow. I see the images of the U.S. of the helicopters flying over and telling people to go home. And our sign-up spike, we had something like four or 5,000 spikes uh, or joiners just within the hour. And because people there are just so fed up, it's literally the most draconian place in the entire world. Uh, it, it's Australia. It's just nuts how it's turned into a police state. And, and people are tired of it. Like, look, we're humans. We don't want to stay cooped up in the basement like Joe Biden in the summer of a presidential campaign, uh, not interacting with anyone, you know, wearing one, two, sometimes three masks, uh, getting jabs every 10 minutes. Yeah. It's just at a certain point, it's getting a little out of control. But yeah, Australia is a perfect example of uh, the fact that this wave of statism and authoritarianism is now actually coming from a certain, well, depending on country and government, from both left and technically right. Uh, so it's kind of dangerous and we have to be cautious. And this is exactly why the GOP uh, need to kind of uh, get the act together and make sure that, you know, they get everything sorted for 2024. Uh, but that reminds me, because obviously this conference, going back to it, um, it's going to be in, um, in London at DO2. Uh, it's, going to, it's going to be quite encouraging to see uh, what the reaction is going to be afterwards. Uh, but my final question for you, do we, are we going to see any surprises? For example, any a video message from a certain uh, president or something <laughs> from at the, at the conference? So <laughs> I will have a couple of tricks up my sleeve for sure. Uh, we do have we do have some pretty big luminaries that we've invited. Uh, don't want don't want to tease about. Let's just say, yeah, cabinet officials, people running for president in other nations. Uh, we have some some pretty big folks that we think that we're going to be able to draw to this. We'll be announcing that in very short order. But again, counter conference December eighth, yeah. Indigo at the O two. This thing is going to be great. Mark your calendar. Uh, tickets are, are available very shortly here, and this is going to be. This is going to be a cool event. Uh, this is, uh, in a lot of ways, will be kind of like a CPAC on steroids. It's a one-day one event, and we're going to make our message heard, not just in London, not just in the UK, but around the world. If it's going to be CPAC on steroids, there's going to be a lot of alcohol, guys. So enjoy that. <laughs> so the, as I said, I'll put the link in the description. I want to say massive thank you again to Jason Miller for coming on the show to discuss the latest developments. And uh, yes, I'll see you guys in the next video.